0: So, if you could turn in your Bibles to, um, we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter three and chapter seventeen. If you're a guest and do not have a Bible, please follow along on the screen. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to, to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, "I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me?" But Jesus answered him, "Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill." All righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up to the wa- up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and coming to and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, "This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." And this next is from chapter 17, uh, verses 1 through 8. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared, to be, there appeared them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. This is God's word. Please remain standing and join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just... um, I thank you for these words, God. I thank you for this gloomy Sunday that we're having, God. But I thank you we're here together, um, always having a positive light on it, God. Help us to see the sunshine today, Lord. Help us to celebrate our moms properly, Lord. But also help us listen to you and your word. Amen.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. You may be seated. It's so good to see everyone this morning. Happy Mother's Day. It's the mother of all holidays. I hope that you're enjoying it so far, um, moms and, and uh, those who are like moms to us. Um, it's really it's a day that really is celebrated all around the world. Um, sometimes on different days, different um, days commemorate it in different countries. But um, it's a day that we remember our moms and those like moms to us. Um, so we really want to celebrate um, those who loved us first today. Um, there's a lot of different um, people that we've met in our lives and people we've interacted, but. There are certain people, I think, that are staple people, especially with reference to to the women in our lives. Um, We're just so thankful for them, and we celebrate you like that was already said. We hope that you've been feeling honored today um, and just kind of encouraged. For some of you all, this might be a difficult day. Maybe it's a day um, that you remember a mom that you lost or perhaps a child that you lost, it's not always the easiest of days. Sometimes holidays can be like that in general, right? Not just Mother's Day, but Christmas can be like that in different places. So we, we just kind of acknowledge that today, too. And we want you to know this morning that whether you're a biological mom or not, perhaps you lost a child, maybe you're having difficulty having one, um, whatever your, your condition might be, we want you to know that you're valued, that you're loved, you're very important to us. Um, and um, the women in our church and our guests, thank you so much for your devotion um, to those that you love, and it's a delight to be here. Um, It's it's highly likely that someone looks up to you and looks at you like a mom, even if you're not a biological one. So just um, put your head high and um, just accept and receive our love, and we just love you a lot. Um, So to our moms and those like moms to us, we love you, we celebrate you, and uh, thanks for being here. This morning's sermon text is taken from two different momentous occasions in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Some of you might be familiar with these stories about Christ. And they're both kind of fascinating to me. They they both are kind of commemorating different events. One is commemorating basically the initiation of the beginning, the start of Jesus Christ's ministry at his baptism. And the other one is this unique situation where those closest to Christ almost got like a vision, an image, um, a a display of who Jesus really was. It's as if he just kind of peeled back his human flesh to reveal to them um, his glory, his divine personhood as the Son of God, as the uncreated one, the God of the universe, the creator of all things. They got uh, uh, an image, a peek um, into what that meant. So very interesting sermon text this morning um, and very powerful ones, I think. Both of these sermon texts have a, a benediction, placed on the life of christ on the person of christ now a benediction is a good word if you know what a benediction means it just means a a positive statement said about something and both of these have the same exact phrase said about jesus christ this is my beloved son in whom i well in whom i am well pleased listen to him both of these commemorate some kind of initiation into the life of Christ and his ministry and the significance of of who he is in particular. Now, for those of you who might be biblically astute, you're students of Scripture, you might have picked up on the fact that the voice heard from heaven is not Jesus' mom. It's Jesus' dad. It's his father. So you might be thinking, why are you preaching this on Mother's Day? Shouldn't this be a Father's Day sermon? And I'm just going to ask a little bit for your patience this morning, indulge me for a bit, because I'd like to generalize this sermon to consider the parent's significant relationship to his child, because that's what essentially is happening here in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. There are three things that every single person in this room needs to hear from mom and dad. And if you receive these things from mom and dad as a child, you're probably maybe a little bit healthier in your life. Maybe not perfect, but a little bit healthier. If you did not receive these things from mom and dad, chances are there's been some damage done in your life because of it. Jesus Christ, on these two separate occasions, was reinforced these things by his heavenly father in one sentence. I love you, I'm proud of you, and you have what it takes. Every single person in this room needs to hear that from mom and dad. You need dad to tell you, I love you, I'm proud of you, and boy, you're good at fill in the blank. You see, that affirmation from our parents is vital, especially as young people. And if we're neglected, as a matter of fact, if we're given the opposite of that from our parents such as we never hear them tell us that they love us, and they're always maybe negative or complaining about the way that we do things. It sends us the message that we're really not good at much, and mom and dad really aren't proud of us at all, and that messes up our lives, doesn't it? It really does, and if, if, um, that, if that has been you, I don't think I have to convince you that that's true. But Jesus Christ, on, on these two occasions, has the Heavenly Father tell him, I love you, I'm proud of you, And boy, do you have what it takes. This is my beloved son. I love you. In whom I am well pleased. I'm proud of you. Listen to him. Why? Because he's competent. He's worth listening to. You're going to learn something from him because boy, does he sure know a lot. You see, that's what the Heavenly Father benedicted his son with that day. And we need a benediction. Friend, you need a benediction. I need it. And... I think the plot twist of this sermon is that the person you need it from is not mom or dad. It's the dad. It's your heavenly father. It's safe to say that these three things are really the driving forces in all that we do in our lives. So many today, I think, are insecure because they really wonder, am I worth loving? Does anyone love me at all? Is anyone proud of me? Does anyone look at me and say, wow, look at that? Does anyone look to me as, as, as a person of competence and pursue me for something that I might know and I could kind of fill in that? All of life, I think, for many of us is just trying to prove ourselves in one of those categories. And if your life has been a relentless pursuit to prove yourself, could it be true that perhaps mom and dad just didn't do a good job at reinforcing those things for you? Have you ever had, have you ever received the life-giving power of having mom or dad sit you down and you heard those beautiful words, I love you, son. And boy, am I proud of you. It's healing, isn't it? It's healing just to get it from flesh and blood, let alone the God of all things and all creation. Anyone who has ever heard words like this knows how life giving they truly are. Amen? And anyone who has been deprived of these things knows how desperately. We want and need others to say them of us. And it's true, I think, as we grow older, if we've been deprived of those things in our parents, that oftentimes we seek it out in some a, a sexual relationship, um, in, in affirmation at work, something, to just answer those questions in a way that maybe mom and dad didn't. So this morning I want to answer two questions for us. Why do we need to hear this about ourselves and where do we find it? I've already kind of given some of the answer to you. But why, why do we need to hear this about ourselves? And where do we really find it? Where do we ultimately feel the sense of the, that whoever says this to us, that's the final word, that's the final answer? So let's talk about this. Why do we need this? And I think to answer this question requires us to examine a theological concept called the imago Dei. It's a Latin phrase, and it means image of God. We've got to look at that for a second because it's very important as to why it is we even want to hear this to begin with. Let me explain to you what this means a bit. God created man according to Scripture in Genesis chapter 1. God creates man and woman as distinct from the rest of his creation. There's something about you and I that is different from the trees and from the animals and from the woolly mammoth. Okay, Maybe some of you that might not be extremely apparent or readily apparent, but it is true. That we are different from the rest of creation. That God creates man and woman as distinct even from the angels. In Genesis 1, we see on display God's creative power, his genius, and his beauty. And if anyone has not read Genesis 1, I would just include you to, uh, invite you to do that on your own time. Genesis 1, if you're new to scripture, it's really easy to find because it's the very first page in the Bible. Okay? But read it, because on display is God's creative power, his genius, his beauty, his authority, so many different things about God and who he is. After each act of creation, God pronounces a benediction. Right? And God created the fish of the sea, and it was good. It's a benediction. God creates the the birds of the air, and it was good. God is pronouncing, this is good, this is good. Right? Then he gets to day six, and he creates something not just out of his creative power, but he creates something like him. He creates humanity in his image, the imago Dei. It says in Genesis 126, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, if you confer- confuse a little bit about the plural, the our, the Bible teaches that there is one God and three in person. The triune nature of God, there is one God, but he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why sometimes God is referring to himself in the plural. Now volumes have been written about what this means, that man is created in God's image. But let's just make some simple observations about who God is displaying himself as in Genesis chapter 1. Because if we're created in the image of God, it would be safe to assume that what God is like, we should be like too. Does that make sense? So how is God demonstrating himself in Genesis chapter 1, the earliest record of any description of God that we have? Because if we're created in God's image, it's going to show us how, how we're driven and why we're driven as human beings the way that we're driven. So how does God describe himself? First, God is dem- demonstrating his kingly rule, his authority. There is no higher court of heaven and creation than God himself. God is speaking things into existence and nothing can interfere with that word. He says, let there be light and there is light. And dark, and the light separated the darkness. Let there be a firmament in the heavens and there was. Let there be stars and there was. Let there be creeping things and there was. Nothing can interfere with God's what is God's ultimate kingly authority over all of his creation. Does that make sense? So Satan is not... Jumping into the middle of his words and messing it up. He can't do that. Satan has no power over that. God in heaven is king. He is ruler. And what he says goes. That's what that means. Nothing can interfere with his will. No matter how hostile we or any angel might become. He is king. What God says happens. Nothing can interfere with his sovereignty, his will. And there is no higher authority. So God is king. The second thing that we see in Genesis chapter 1 is that God is parents, God is father, God is mother, okay? God is demonstrating his familial position over all creation. God did not just create amazing things and just kind of skips off to the end of the universe indifferent. He is the origin of those things. He is the source of those things. He has a familial fatherly affection over his creation. You see what I mean? but in particular, a familial fatherly affection over his image-bearer. You see, because as a husband and wife, my my wife and I can get together and we can create a garden in the backyard and we can say, oh, how lovely are the flowers that we've grown. And we can do lots of different things. We could create a piece of artwork or we could build a house or a dog shed or something. We could There's a lot of things that we could put our heads together and, and sort of create. But there's only one thing that we can do together and create that is the, the bearer of our image. And that's our children. You see, so there is a special relationship that we have with our kids over our garage. You see what I mean? Now we might be proud of our garage. We might be proud of the things that we get together with and create, but there is nothing that we're more proud of than our own children. Isn't that true? Because they bear our image. So so God in heaven has has this fatherly and familial affection to his creation as his image bears. Does that make sense? So God is king, but he is also dad. He is also mom. And if you don't like, well, God is a man, you know, your, your theology is off. God is not a man or a woman. He is spirit, okay? God describes himself as a mother, by the way, in Scripture. So those of you who are ready to throw heretical stones at me, please put them back in your pocket. God is demonstrating himself as king. God is demonstrating himself as parent. And finally, God is demonstrating himself as creator, Okay? He is demonstrating his wisdom, his beauty, his power as the creator of all things in Genesis chapter 1. When any one of us examines Genesis 1 and 2, how can we miss this? God's power and beauty on display, the way he orders the universe, just the plethora of, almost as a God is describing all of this creative power and genius, and almost as a footnote in Genesis chapter 1, it says, Oh, and by the way, he created the stars too and we can just stop stop on that sentence and think to ourselves how on earth who is this god that we serve the billions of galaxies that have billions of stars in those galaxies and he created the stars too wow what a great god we serve this is our god he is king he is parent and he is creator God's power and beauty in his creation. Listen to Psalm chapter 19. The psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. You know what that's saying? It's saying that the stars are giving us a message. They're telling us a story that God the creator is amazing day after day they pour out speech they reveal knowledge they have no speech they use no words no sound is heard from them yet their voice goes out into the ends of the earth their words to the ends of the world and this is our god our king our father and our creator this is the image of god that we're presented with in genesis chapter 1 and 2 in whose image we are created now here here's this is where this is get real head trippy on us you ready you have been made in fashions in the image of God, and what that means is that part of our function and purpose in life is to be kings, creators, and parents, like our God. Kings, creators, and parents, like our gods. So let me prove it to you. In his image, as his image bearers, we see similar virtues bestowed on all of humanity in the the creation account. Humanity, in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, same passage of scripture, humanity are are said to be kings on earth. It says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds, the livestock, over all the earth. Let them rule over this. Because as my image bearers, they will put me on display. My kingly rule will be almost filtered through them. You see? So we are kings on earth. The Bible says that in the kingdom to come, God's redeemed church will reign on earth with Christ. Reign over all his creation. There is a kingly responsibility that we have. But there is a familial responsibility we have. Right in Genesis 1-2 it says, Be fruitful and multiply. Parent the earth, in other words. Parent your children. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. As I am father, mother, you too be father, mother. See? And finally, also, we are given this task, this incredible task to create. It says in Genesis 2, Now out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. So man, humanity, Adam and Eve, are part of the creation process in Genesis 1 and 2. They're doing it with God. See what I mean? And this is further proven by the fact in a verse I already read, let them have dominion over the earth. In other words, use the earth. Create with it. Create Houses and boats and all the creative things that we all do every single day. The reason you like to create is because your God is a creator. The reason we want to parent is because our God is a parent. The reason that we want to have dominion is because our God is the great king. God's creation of humankind served the distinct purpose of demonstrating the nature, character, and function of God himself to the rest of creation. Are you following this? There was never a moment when Adam and Eve doubted the father's love for them. There was never a moment where Adam and Eve doubted the king's satisfaction with them. And the creator's trust in their skill and competence to do the things that he had set them to do. You follow what I'm saying? So the king is satisfied with the creator. The parent loves the child. The creator is impressed with the power given to him to create. Here is this relationship intact, being benedicted from God himself. This is my beloved son, and who am I well pleased? Listen to him. And how I think this next part never happens, but sin entered. And for the first time, we were cut off from the Father, cut off from the King, cut off from the Creator. And we were left to wonder if our own kingly creative power and parenting was actually satisfactory. Because we were cut off from the source of it. Instead of maintaining the secure position that Adam and Eve and all of us all of us with them, we disobeyed our good God, we spurned his law, and we worshiped dumb idols. So now our identity is being defined by the creation over the creator. And that never works. Now we're left to wonder, are we loved? Does my work matter? Is anyone proud of me? Because now we're getting that. We're seeking that affirmation from dumb idols, from things that can't give it to you. So we disobeyed our good God. We spurned his law. We worshiped dumb idols. Sin separated us from the once pure and confident relationship we once had with God in creation, in, in, in the creation. And the scriptures announce, because of sin, because of this rebellion towards our creator, king, parent, the death of the relationship occurred. The wages of sin is death. That separation from God's favor, from the relationship that we had once with God that affirmed what needed to be affirmed deep in our soul. The wages of sin is death. Now, the king is judge, the father is is enemy, and the creator is executioner. Oh, friends, what sin has done to us. The reason that we need to hear, I love you like a dad, I'm proud of you as your king, that you're great as a competent creator, is because God made us for that. He made us to be all of those things in this world, But the reason we all struggle really to walk securely in it is because unless we're reconciled to God through Christ, we ultimately have none of those things. And that's why, friend, that even if you have the greatest mom and dad at home, you still just kind of in your gut know that you're falling short. You're missing the mark. So what to do? Now I should caution you That you not come to Christ simply to hear, I love you, I'm pleased with you, listen to him. In other words, the gospel is not primarily about boosting your self-esteem or your self-worth. These affirmative words will simply not be said to any of us because our sin forfeits our part in that. So what we need first is a Savior, We need a Savior to reconcile our broken relationship to our divine parent. We need a Savior. Because we, friends, have fallen short. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling us to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the the message of reconciliation. And this all means something very simple. To not be in Christ. Let's reverse this to not be in Christ means that our sins are held against us because our king is a just king and we will not hear well done from that king i am pleased with you from that king our sin causes the king to say to us depart from me worker of iniquity i never knew you so if you struggle this morning with recognizing th- that that god is pleased with you perhaps it could be because he's not And perhaps the solution for you is to not clean up your nose, but to fall on the cross. To have all of your sins separated from you and forgiven so that he can embrace you as someone pleased with you. You see? The whole world can tell us how lovely and worthy and competent we are. But it just, without Jesus, it just isn't true. And we know it. The Father, King, Creator, if He doesn't say so, then it doesn't matter who says so. What we need is for Him to say it. Or we remain in our sin and we remain under in- insecurity. But here's the good news. You say, wow, what a downer. right? But here's the good news. In Christ, anyone can come to Christ and fall on the grace of Jesus and have their sins removed. It's to have all of our sin, all of our disobedience to his word, all of our unloveliness, all of our our unworthiness, all of our inabilities put on Jesus' body in exchange for what he earned, for all his earned familial love, for his applause, for his worthiness, all of what he deserves is put on us. And that's the holy transfer made to you. He gets what we deserved and we get what he deserved. He gets our God-forsaken darkness, and we get the benediction. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, listen to him. And friends, if God ever announces that on us, it is only because Jesus earned the right for us. So come and get it. I think it would be great, even healing, to have mom and dad Say things like this, this to us. And you know, we, we sort of need that too. I'm not discounting that. But it's not enough. It can't be. Because you know, they're not your real parents. <laughs> you were a switch dipper. <laughs> my mom is not my mom. Happy Mother's Day. My dad is not my dad. I have one source, one creator, the king, the father of all creation. And he offers me familial love, a divine applause. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know what happens when you really believe that you get that from God in Christ? You don't, you're not mad at your parents anymore for not, again for falling short, short in all the ways in which we think they fell short they my parents you know i guarantee you there are people in here this morning saying you know i had a mom and dad they were really awesome they said all those things to me and i love them and hey great good for you but i bet you there's the opposite sitting here too that still feel the sting of not having a very affectionate father or a distant mother right and maybe to this day you're mad at them still, you feel as if the reason that you're messed up is because you had bad parents, well, there's good news for you because in Christ all that goes away. And you're able to forgive your parents for not being God. Can we blame them? (laughs) Don't we kind of all know that our parents mess us up a little bit? Even the best of parents? Because they're not God. God. They're not our creator. They're not our king. They're not the reason we're on this earth. You know, and I know, you know, I put you on this earth and I can take you off it. That's just, I'm sorry, that's just not true. It's not true. Our great God in heaven offers us everything that we want from our parents in Christ. Can you come and get it? Can you leave your anger behind you for mom or dad? Can you forgive them? And if, you're, and, and if you're a mom and dad, can you start imitating the great God, the great parent that we have in heaven to treat our kids like this, to imitate his parental affection to our children? We need him to pronounce this benediction on our lives. And unless we come to him in deep heart's anguish, over our rebellion towards him, over our sin, we're going to remain in that lonely separation and that lonely insecurity that is the curse of our sin. And it need not be. Because in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we offended our dad. We did something unspeakable to our parent. And what he did for us was he bore the penalty. He took the injury. So put your sin on him. Turn from it and trust in Christ and be reconciled to God. Amen? For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Come to Christ. Be reconciled to God. And I assure you that you will hear this benediction. Today, you are his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. Listen to him. I love you, son. I'm proud of you. And boy, are you great. Hmm. Come and get it. Let's pray.